Welcome to Cross Training, where we look at faith and practice through, not in, but through a biblical lens. There's my education at its best. And the crowd applause. And I'm Tanner Higgins. I'm Matthew Thompson. Uh, Mason Simmons. And I want to point out that uh, while Tanner was saying that, that man had his eyes locked on our whiteboard. So locked on it. I had to make sure that I knew what I was saying because we all know I can get tongue-tied and I have no idea what the heck I'm saying. I know two weeks ago, me and Mason had that little small debate and we still have not come to a conclusion with that. I know we've, we've discussed with it with each other and I think that we've discussed with it with other people and I think within a bigger classroom, but we still have not figured that out. But yet, I, I think we're still at heads with it, but that's all right. Well, we're, we're coming I, together. Like, here's the thing. Like, the, the spiritual aspect of it, we agree on. It's the physical part. Yeah. Like, did it happen physically or no? That's, I'm that's still sticking with my guns, but yet that that I think I, th- I think that's that's if very important. If you're jumping in out of to, order, we're not going to give you any answers. You got to go back true. and find it. True. Yeah. 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 I, and if I'm being brutally honest here, I say this as someone who likes to take the side of Jesus could have done it. So yeah, sure he did it like that. I'm not sitting here like arguing with people going, "Hey, it happened," and you're wrong to say otherwise. I'm not. I'm not like that far on the train or anything like that i just think that those sorts of stories in the bible it's fun to like think of the the what ifs i mean that that's fun stuff to talk about hey the bible is fun to discuss more at 11 uh, but it seems mason that, that we're pretty outnumbered i don't think like anyone agrees with us <laughs> i actually know i went back after class and like it turns out that i think it was like a 60 40 split really in our favor yes wait in our favor yes in our what? favor actually because th- they disagreed on Times, but they thought it happened physically as well. So there was about in a classroom. I think if we had about twelve, I think it was about like seven, five, eight for us. That means nothing. He just, he just that got means that shoulder nothing. roll, puff that, that chest nothing. out. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> the best news I've heard all week. Mm. Mm. Look, what's what's the word? Vindication, Mason. Vindication. I love it. Mm. All right. Well, with that, with that good mood that I have just been bestowed, and I'm, I'm, I'm looking at Tanner just, just dumbstruck over there and his wrong. No, I'm dumb. I'm dumb. <laughs> no, I'm dumbstruck by the, by the ignorance of people. Whoa. By you guys, uh, taking things out of context here. Whoa. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah shots fired. That's not shots context. fired. That got addressed no, during a deep dive. How on earth Jesus is it not? No, I'm not doubting Jesus' power at all. I'm, I'm just doubting that. I'm doubting you guys. That's what I'm not doubting you guys. Tanner, You're me. interjecting something that is not even there. It, You're assuming. It literally is. Literally You're says. assuming. What? It, it literally There's lots says. of assumptions. Oh, my gosh. Come on. Okay. Come on. <laughs> the, like, okay, for one, at, at the very least, you can't use the out-of-context accusation because we talked about this as we were doing a deep dive. It was full of context. Okay, fine. It, all right. You're 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 placing context that is not there. <laughs> so I'm letting I, my, I'm not letting my dreams be dreams, Tanner. That's okay. what I'm doing. Shoot. And I will I will gladly accept your apology when when Jesus comes back and he says, You guys are wrong. I did not I did not do that. I did that later on. <laughs> he he did that later, but after we get through worshiping Jesus, can we just be like, Hey, all right, so did you really do it? We we know we got the spiritual part like cool like we you we normally don't but did you did you make that wheat grow bro come on and he's gonna say you dag I'm right I did no he didn't be like thank you because Tanner persecuted me for my no. beliefs 
No. Anyways. He called us anyways, false witnesses. <laughs> this. We'll never. We'll we'll never know. But yet. Not here. I have right. my. I have my idea. Y'all have yours idea. But hey, that's here, what makes this fun, though. That's true. I have my facts. You have your opinions. Oh. And wow. with that, we're gonna we're gonna study a new chapter of John. I, th- well, this one actually has. Proof, though. This one has evidential proof. You mean like literally it. every other chapter in the Bible? Goodness, Tanner, get it together. Oh, my gosh. I'm talking about <laughs> him doing it versus not doing it. Oh, Do you boy. think he healed the man? Yes. <laughs> I believe so. Hot takes over here by Tanner Higgins. <laughs> un, un, Jesus performed a miracle. What? Was it a miracle, though? Or was it just a work? Unlike he didn't do the, the wheat of the field. He actually did this one. Well, as much as I'm sure everyone appreciates okay. this at length recap okay. <laughs> filled with salt. Okay. Let, let's instead little, let's instead be the salt and the light. And oh. discuss John chapter five. Heavy on the salt. Woo boys. Let's give each other a right, like foods. So John chapter five, uh, I'll, I'll I'll open it up with it, uh, but a little backstory. So John chapter five that is kind of with the third designated healing and miracle that Jesus performs. And so here, this guy, Jesus, as you all know him so very well, and I'm hoping you have him in in your heart. But this guy, Jesus, he walks up into this place called a pool of Bethsaida in Jerusalem. So Jesus, he's in Jerusalem. He's in the area during a festival. And uh, this pool of Bethsaida, it's note that its history is that it's a pool of superstition and the sense of where the locals believe that if you see the water troubled that means an angel has dipped into that pool and so whoever follows to jump in that pool right after it's been troubled quote unquote an angel has dipped into it then that individual will be healed so it's like if mason with his uh, uh his Disability of red hair. If he saw the <laughs> okay, <laughs> if he saw the pool troubled, he would jump into it. Then he would automatically become a, a, a he would become He'd be brown a hair. A soul, yeah, his soul would be given. <laughs> I jumped. get my soul. <laughs> no, no. So it, it, basically, just think about this pool is is very superstitious that they see a they see it troubled and a lot of people jump into it to get healed. And so there's a lot of sick and decrepit and broken people around this pool. And so this guy is, 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 comes into picture uh, in verse 3. Within these lay a large number of the disabled, blind, lame, and paralyzed. And redheaded. And redheaded, according, mm-hmm. according to Mason. Uh, one man was there who had been disabled for 38 years. Now let me note that 38 years is a long time to be <laughs> disabled. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm, no, I'm, oh, really? I'm saying in the sense of like first century Judaism and, and Judea. Hey, there is no. I see what you're saying, but when <laughs> when you said like I just want to know, I'm sitting here thinking this man is not about to say 38 years is a long time, <laughs> and, and you, you just did it. And the man, man, why? Why, why? Why would I not? Why, why is that such a I, weird? I understand what you're saying, like given like life expectancies, like yeah. all, that, all that kind of stuff. Like I, I do understand the significance, but the way you worded that is like, guys, I don't know if you knew this, but 38 that, that is just <laughs> yeah, it's a long time. Can well, you were you imagine? expecting something like theologically heavy behind yeah, it? Or so? Okay. Okay, None of us fine. are 38. <laughs> so, like, well, just the, the guy that was crippled, living that long in the first century. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to me, that to me, that it's a significance that it's like he's been living that long with, with this disability. Yeah, like I said, I'm okay. on the same page. Like no technology I'm sorry. this time too. So no, I, I, yeah. 38 years weighs more than, but yeah, I think the buildup you had, we yeah, were expecting the pause some. is what really okay. sold it. <laughs> okay. It's like just want to know. 
That's a long time. That's a long time. <laughs> That's a lot of damage. So anyway, so the, here this guy, he's been, he's been lame for, for several years. And when Jesus saw him, start in verse 6, Jesus saw him laying there and realized he had already been there a long time. He said to him, do you want to get well? I mean, what kind of question is that from Jesus? I mean, to, to a crippled guy, it's kind of like saying, it's like saying to, a, to someone that has cancer, it's like, do you want to be cancer free? Well, duh. I mean, it's kind of like one of those duh moments. Yeah, in my head, me. in my head, I visualize it as like he he walks up and he's like looking at like the the body of water and he's standing nearby the the, the crippled dude and he just like puts his hands on his hips for a moment like, hmm, hey, you, uh, you want to be healed? <laughs> <laughs> what, are you, what are you here for, sir? And let's just say, let's just say, this is, and this is my childish brain at work here, but let's just say that, you know, the water did heal and Jesus didn't have to or whatever. I could just see, like, he saw the water troubled and Jesus picking up the dude and just tossing, tossing him up into the, into the water, you know. And, and kind of in that same vein, because this is something I thought of when I was reading this. I mean, it doesn't, at no point in the scripture is its healing ability refuted. Yeah. Although we can go ahead and assume real quick that it, it didn't. It was... Probably more like placebo effect. People going for like the common cold, and like the next day it cleared up, and they're like, "Oh yeah, the the pool healed me." It was probably a lot of coincidence. The evidence, the evidence yeah. behind the pool yeah. healing was correlation more small. and causation getting all mixed up. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so you have Jesus here. This seems like such a simple act, uh, even though I mean the Pharisees are going to come in and try to try to ruin Jesus' day as per usual. But you got to think of the the meaning underneath what he's doing here. Like he's making it clear, like, hey, you can rely on your superstitions and your legends and your oral histories and, and myths and all that good stuff. But like, I'm gonna I'm gonna show you some substance here. Like, I'm gonna go ahead and prove to you right now that, like, there is no room for polytheism under my reign. Like, you can't be looking at all these lowercase g gods and say, mm-hmm. oh, hey, they they can offer this to me. Like, yeah, God is. Uh, the the big boss of them all, but I can I can go to this god over here to get my my blessings for my crops, and I can go over to to this lowercase g god that stirs up a pool every once in a while and get healed. Now Jesus is making clear like I am the god. There is only uppercase g god. Follow me. Don't get distracted by this other stuff. So that, this again like just that deeper meaning um in the actions that jesus pulls off here i mean it's like the it's like the woman at the well all over again like you can read it on the surface mm-hmm. level and get plenty out of it but like the the challenges that jesus is inter, uh, introducing to really the jewish public like yeah. challenging th- these things that they're, they're they're set in traditionally is um, i mean it's a lot now, and, and when Jesus asks this question, and he says, you know, I, the, the crippled man says, well, I got no one to pick me up and put me in the water. I'm by myself here. I've been here for years, and I've never had the chance to because everyone's in front of me. I mean, I can't walk over there, so I just got to crawl, and, but yet I'm too late. And it seems like due to this man's inconvenience, Jesus doesn't care about his inconvenience. He says, you know, get up. He just says two words and says, get up. Pick up your mat and walk. And I think those words, and like it's interesting that the man didn't have, it seems like there's some people that have faith. Like the last episode, last week we talked about the guy in Capernaum. He had faith. Yeah. But this guy, it didn't really bounce back to me reading this of like, well, he didn't really have much faith in Jesus. Like he didn't even really, it seemed like, know exactly who Jesus was at this time yeah. or didn't know much about him. What? Do you, I mean, what do you think the significance of him having probably less faith in the Capernaum man or what? 
Well, I don't know if my input pertains to that, and Mason, you can feel free to cut me off if you have like relevant input, because I don't want to steamroll here. But I know I'm about to contradict myself from a previous episode that we did, because when we were going over the, the turn of the water into wine, like we talked about how this uh, miracle was different and how subtle it was. But honestly, I'm getting the exact same feeling from this one, because again, you have Jesus very casually performing miracles. And this might just be like my failure to notice this in the past when reading the Gospels, uh, that Jesus does not tend to be extremely showy when he's doing stuff that he could very easily just take to a marketing department and have a field day with it. No, he's, for one, like there is no clear showing of faith from the man prior to being blessed by Jesus. Like there. There isn't some, like Jesus saying, hey, if you, if you believe in me, you'll be healed. And mm-hmm. the guy being like, oh, yeah, in my desperation, I'm going to believe in you. It was just Jesus being like, hey, bud, you, uh, you all right? You want to you wanna be healed? And, it, and it's not, the, and he didn't even say yes to that. He was like, well, you see, my faith is, is in this pool, but I don't have anyone to put me in it. And that is the reason that I'm still crippled. Mm-hmm. Like, there, there's, there's not really a, a transaction of faith going on here. And yet, Jesus just so casually is just like, oh, well, I mean, get up. Just get up. Yeah. Well, and I th- and maybe Jesus used this, unlike the, unlike the untold story of him making the wheat shoot up. Maybe this is him doing a miracle preceding a lesson given into the, the synagogue and the rabbis and, and stuff like that because he really gets on a tangent here after a while. So the dude is healed, gets up. I guess he didn't have time to ask for his name. Jesus kind of disappears, and he goes to the rabbis, and the rabbis are ticked off. The the, the priests, they're ticked off because... Uh, well, it and, says at the, the end of verse 8, it says, Now that day was the Sabbath. Yeah, in verse 10 it says, And so the Jews said to the man who had been healed, This is the Sabbath. The law prohibits you from picking up your mat. And I went back. There is no law that says you could pick up you can't pick up your mat. There mm-hmm. is actually a violation of the rabbinic code that prohibits you to carrying an object from one domain into another. So hence, Jesus was accused of enticing a man to sin, but yet he was not breaking any law given by Moses in a, in a Mosaic covenant. Another direction I'd like to take that that verse, and this is getting into hypotheticals here, so y'all just Mason loves hypotheticals, though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> What do you think the likelihood is that given that that man was crippled for 38 years, which was a long time. <laughs> was a what, long time. So what do you think the likelihood was that the Pharisees were aware that he was crippled? I mean, honest question. Like, it, what? Well, if he's been there that long, I mean, well, I mean, it doesn't say that he was there for 38 years. But, I mean, if he's been there for, for quite a while trying to get in there, I mean, I'm sure the it's one of those like the Pharisees and the Sadducees were going in there kind of just giving a blind eye to him, not paying attention to him, but yet they kind of somewhat aware. So I, I would like to say yes, but no, they were kind okay. of aware. So surely within the group of the Pharisees that are making these accusations about the law, surely at least there was some presence of mind that, Hey, wasn't this guy like not able to move? That's what, that's, yeah, that's what's like, they had to know that this guy wasn't crippled because they're not yeah. questioning the healing. Exactly. They're questioning Jesus of like, you're doing this on the Sabbath. Well, the thing is, they don't even question Jesus yet. Like, true, first true, concern true, true. Is like, yeah. hey, man, uh, so really cool that you gained function of your legs for the first time in like four decades. But, uh, you know, you're not allowed to pick up your bed. Like, that's just unacceptable. <laughs> that's just the absolute heartlessness within that. Just yeah. it, it really 
jumped out off the page to me when I was reading. I was like, dang, that's their that's their priority here. Because I mean, I know again we're getting into like the details of like what do you think could have happened like off screen, so to speak, uh, within scripture. But like, surely somebody was aware that this guy was not moving, and yet here he is taking up his bed. And priority mm-hmm. number one is to point out that he broke some rule that, as we just discussed, didn't even really exist. Yeah. Well, and then later on, it, it's I, I find it kind of funny that at, in verse 14, it, it says that Jesus bumped into this guy again. And it's like, it's, it's like, oh, I casually bump into the guy just healed. It's like, oh, hey, uh, see, I see that you're healed. Now, don't sin anymore or something worse is going to happen to you. You know? Yeah, just the wording is just so hysterical. Because, <laughs> like, in modern-day terms, like, both people are like, hey, you're, you're walking. No, nice. it's, it's like that, you know how you go into Walmart or, or Kroger or something like that, and, like, you see someone you know. It's like, oh, hey, how you doing? How you doing? You know, and you talk to them for a few seconds, and then it's like, okay, we'll see you later. And you bump to them again, and it's like, hmm, you, just, you don't say nothing. You just kind of <laughs> grin at each other. It's like a casual, like. It's like the most awkward moment yeah. ever. Jesus isn't <laughs> that guy. It. <laughs> he will have the conversation all over again because he is a he's a social social butterfly he likes yep. he likes discussing with his people but what do we think the the significance here is with him saying like sin no more that nothing worse may happen to you or even better what what what's y'all's versions of scripture say because i don't like that specific phrasing that nothing worse may happen to you kind of jumps out at me i've got a, a king james version in front of me too let's see what that one says uh, Jesus' words are, Behold, thou art made whole, sin no more, lest a worse thing come unto thee. So it's still got worse being used yeah. there. Yeah. Is it same with you? Yeah, because uh, I'm, I'm just reading New King. Oh, uh, well, okay. So it just changes vowels to you. <laughs> hey, so what do we think the, the significance is to that? Because, I mean, clearly, like, the fall, sin, is what causes these things to happen in the first place. But it's saying, now, sin no more, which... I mean, obviously, like, it's not like we can just stop sinning. So, I mean, that's, there's mm-hmm. a little, little something to chew on there to begin with. But going even further, like saying, sin no more, or else something worse could happen. For me, I think this is Jesus' way of trying to tell people, because, of course, we know that Jesus is very well still alive, hasn't died yet, and then rose again. But, you know, when people say, you know, he died for your sins, well, he has not died yet. So, what does this mean? Well, so we go back and we say, you know, people are aware of, sin people are aware of doing wrong so just about if not every person he's come into contact with and done something for he tells them to go and sin no more this and just being another situation to prove that i think this is his way of telling him you know one don't go out and live what we call now a christian life or try to live the best christ-like lifestyle that you can and so the end of this part where you're trying to say lest the worst thing happen to you i think he this is a way for him to say because we think this is a man who's been crippled for at least most of his life if not a half long his life. time a very long time right so now that this man has his freedom to move and stuff well what can he go out and do probably a lot more sinful things than he could oh. do when he was not crippled so i think jesus is writing or telling him this lest a worse thing happen upon you as kind of a reminder that, like, look, I healed you. Mm-hmm. But if you go out and start living, you know, this worldly life, you might experience more than just crippleness. And I think this could be, this is just a stretch of my imagination, but it seems relative to me, a reference to a life 
or death and hell. I, and I, to, I totally agree on both both folds because I, I agree that in the sense of like we don't know what this man's life, we don't know how old he is, but because we know that sin impacts us spiritually, but it can also impact us physically. Because my sin, as like if I cheated on my wife, that is going to impact my family physically. In the sense of like that could cause a lot of havoc and almost cause into divorce if they don't if the, if it, it gets too bad and there's no reconstruction there. But yet you know a, a fornication and adultery is horrible mm-hmm. and it affects spiritually, physically, and mentally. And so we know that sin impacts on all aspects. So maybe this dude's sin caused him to be a cripple. I don't know. Maybe this dude was a horse thief and wrecked a horse wrecked a carriage or something like that and broke his back that was sin that caused him to have his legs broken i don't know because you know and later on it talks about um because uh, later on we see uh, a man that was crippled and the pharisees and sadducees were like what has his parents done his parents have sinned he they must have sinned that's what's caused their son to be a cripple but yet jesus is like no it had nothing to do with that it's just because he was it just it just happened. Yeah. In and all in all fairness, it says that he's been crippled for thirty eight years. It doesn't say he's thirty eight years old. Exactly. Yeah. So I mean this could have been a childhood accident or, you know, something like that. But I think you're definitely right on the aspect that it has one interpretation but many applications that he could be crippled from sin in a physical aspect, but then if he's not careful, it could condemn him for the rest of eternity. Yes. And yeah, uh, so I that's totally what, agree. I think that that's just something to that puts something in the back of his mind to think about. Like, yeah. I've been healed. I have this physical freedom now. You know, let's not do stupid things and mm-hmm. lose the spiritual freedom. I'm going to be honest. I wasn't looking at it that deep. <laughs> I, I was, my my thoughts pale in comparison to y'all's, but I'll go ahead and put it out there just for the sake of it. I was just kind of being reminded of um, when Jesus says, um, like, hey, if, you're, if your hand causes you to sin, It'd be better to cut it off than for your whole body burn in hell. Like he's he's saying statements that are true, but like when you hear them, they sound outrageous at face value. Because him saying like, "Hey, sin no more, or else something worse than being crippled for thirty eight years will happen to you." Like that's just kind of the the kind of offhand yet surely true comment from Jesus that this it was designed to make people go, "Hey, wait, wait, what? What was what?" That yeah. kind of just designed to yeah. make people think, and that, that's kind of the vibe that I got from him saying that. So let's let's get into it a little bit uh, further on because we we discussed that the Jews didn't question the reality behind this healing. They didn't question. Well, you probably wouldn't have been crippled to begin with. They didn't question Jesus healing this guy. They automatically go and questioning Jesus about his authority. It's like, who are you to even do this on the Sabbath? Like, you should not be doing this on the Sabbath. So the question was like. You know to be doing this versus you didn't actually do it. So this miracle did happen with many witnesses to say that, okay, this guy was a cripple. So in verse uh, 16, uh, therefore the Jews began persecuting Jesus because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. And then Jesus continues on in this, in this dialogue uh, through verse 30 of saying, listen, I am my father and my father is me. In verse 18, it says, this is why the Jews began trying all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his father, making himself equal with God. So why do you think it's important? Let me ask you all, all why do you think that Jesus expressed his divinity and his authority to heal and to judge him being equal with God? Why do you think it was important for Jesus to say, I am my father, and my father is me. 
I don't, I don't. I can't really take this too deep, other than just to say, you know, is to kind of express the whole idea of the Trinity, you know, of saying, you know, you you've worshipped God the Father since creation, mm-hmm. and well, now I have come to, you know, forgive the world of sin, and once I leave, here comes the Trinity, and the Holy Spirit. But anyway, yeah, I think that's just kind of him non like just very easily mm-hmm. well i guess not very easily but kind of just slowly introducing you know there's god i am god the father i am god the son and soon to be later after i leave god the holy ghost mm-hmm. friendly reminder i'm not a bible scholar so well, neither do well, not, neither are us so yeah i, I want to say that because i'm about to say things that like a week from now i might be thinking wow why did I say that stupid stuff? But I'm, I'm going to take some risks here. I'm, I'm going to let you know what, what's, oh what's knocking around Risk in, game. in the in the head of Matthew Thompson. So in this specific instance and instances like this in which Pharisees are like, hey, Jesus, you can't do that. It's on the Sabbath. Surely you know that the Sabbath forbids this sort of stuff. And his reply is more or less, dude, the Sabbath's my day. I'll do what I want because <laughs> I, I made this. Sassy thing. Jesus. What do you, it's my day, guys. Why do you why do you think y'all call it the Sabbath? Because I told you to. <laughs> what I think could be a function of that, and obviously I'm not implying this is the only function. So again, bear of with me. Of the Sabbath, uh, of of this situation in oh, which okay, Jesus okay. is making it clear, like, hey, I can do this stuff because I, I made the Sabbath. Like, get gotcha, on gotcha. my face. You know, who do you think you're talking to? He wants to make it clear that he does have an authority that other people don't. Like, mm-hmm. he can work air quotations intended on the Sabbath because he created the Sabbath. I mean, it, it, this is like backed up in scripture. He does, he does say that yeah. in, in what we're reading. If my phone will unlock, I could tell you technology. I love it. Okay. Verse 16, he says, my father is working until now and I'm working. So he's making it clear that like what he's doing is consistent with his character described in the old Testament. Like you can go back to the, to the Genesis text that we've referenced a few times when God describes himself, there's consistency there. And he's establishing that, making it clear that he's not over here doing some weird stuff that like God, the father didn't already establish was going to happen. He's acting consistent to his character, but he also wants to make it clear that he's not like going out here and saying, Hey, if you believe in me, then you get special can ignore Sabbath privileges. Mm -hmm. He wants to make it clear. That's not, what's going on here. He is doing his work on the Sabbath because he established the Sabbath. He's going to do what he wants. It's consistent with his character there. Like he's not breaking any rules, but obviously like the Pharisees can't go around healing people. I mean, they don't, they don't have the authority under God to be doing stuff like that. So they, they literally can't operate on his level on the Sabbath day. So he's making it clear that he's not breaking any laws. He, he created the law. Of course he's going to adhere to it, but he's also God incarnate. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he, he's operating in this fleshly existence for the goals that he, he's going to achieve uh, through the crucifixion and the resurrection. But he's making clear to those around him, like, hey, I'm doing this, and, like, that's okay. But y'all literally can't do what I'm doing. Like, he, he's establishing a boundary line. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I, I think 24 really expresses what, what, your, your point, is that Jesus, he says, truly I tell you, he says, guys, listen up. Anyone who hears my word and believes him, believes me, and believes the Father, who sent me has eternal life and will not come under judgment, but has passed from death into life. And earlier, Jesus is like, God, the Father, my Father, who you worship, has given me the right to judge. 
and has given me the ability and authority to heal. And so it's almost saying that Jesus is saying, listen, I've been sent down here to improve and to better the law that, that, that my father has given you all back in Moses' day. And we see that all throughout John and the Synoptic Gospels that Jesus improved the law. He says, you have heard this, but let me tell you guys. Let me tell you something better because I can judge it. I can judge the law. I can judge you by the things that you have done. And so this is what this is where you get, you know, Jesus coming in and he judges the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And he says, you know, if you can only come through me, can I give eternal life? And only I can judge you. He's basically saying, I'm the mediator. Moses was y'all's mediator back then. I'm the mediator now that can bring you full restoration, that ability to being in a relationship with the Father. So let me, let me show you some knowledge that I, I learned. That I love Greek. I don't know it. But I like going and looking, looking at the Septuagint and, and looking at the Greek and the Hebrew and looking at what does this word mean and stuff like that. So verse 31, it says, If I testify about myself, my testimony is not true or bear witness, testimony bear witness. And the Greek word for that is martero. And I'm probably saying that wrong, but that's fine. But the definition of that is to affirm that one has seen or heard or experienced something. So it's giving a witness to the truth. And so I like what that means because it's like I, I automatically refer to Stephen being stoned as the first martyr. And he's giving a witness and a testimony by his death. And it seems like to me, you go through all throughout church history and the martyrs, like Fox, Fox's Book of Martyrs, I highly recommend reading that. And then DC Talks got another one of uh, martyrs and stuff like that. So there's, there's plenty of stories of people being martyred and we can do episodes and episodes on martyrdom and stuff like that and what is a martyr but it's just interesting that martyrs in itself in scripture gives a witness and evidence of the truth because you look at Paul Paul studied underneath the greatest mind and, and it was about to be the greatest the highest honor of the Jewish synagogue and Pharisees and Sadducees dude and He's persecuting the Christians, and then all of a sudden he flips switch and goes with the people that he's persecuting and basically is in house arrest multiple times. He's almost stoned to death several times, and he's shipwrecked. He's put in prison all these multiple times. Basically, he flips the switch on and flips the camps of, like, he was about to be the highest of the high and puts himself down to the lowest of the low and about— and his, almost dead every chapter that you read him. And so that doesn't make logical sense, but yet that gives witness that these guys believed what they were saying. And so it gives testimony. And I think it's interesting, and tell me what you guys think about this, that Jesus, he says, in verse 34, says, I don't receive human testimony. He says, I don't need a testimony from humans. He says, I don't need the, the, the bearing witness that you guys give. But I say these things so you may be saved. So what do you get out of that? Because he's, he's saying, it's like, I don't need the testimony of you guys, but I need them and I want them so that there is a testimony for you guys to be saved. I mean, that's kind of like saying, like, God didn't need to create man or the world. I mean, and all the, all those statements are true. God didn't need anything. God just needs himself. <laughs> I mean, 
God created these things because he wanted them. And, I mean, you, there's people out there that can debate this all day long, and, I mean, you can feel free to, but, I mean, I believe scripture, I believe that Scripture proves, you know, he created man because he wanted companionship, but to be praised because God is worth our praise and worship. That's what we're designed to do. Yeah, yeah. That, that's literally what we were made for, but it's also so that we can commune with him. I mean, what did God do when he made Adam and Eve? He communed with them, you know. It wasn't necessarily like, oh, like bow your knees and worship me and praise me. You know, I, God spent time with his creation, and I believe that's kind of what he still wants to do. So, like, God saying, you know, I don't need, you know, your testimony and stuff like that. Well, that's true. God doesn't need anything from us, mm -hmm. but he wants it. And so uh, I don't need your testimony, but I've done the, or said these things or done these things so that you might be saved. Well, that's because he wants us to be from, yeah. from our wrong that we've done all throughout history so that we can spend time with him, which is, I mean, like what I, I believe that Scripture proves, that he wants us to be with him. I totally agree. And, like, Jesus, you're exactly right, because God does not need our witness because he doesn't need us to defend him, you know, in the sense of, like, I, when, I, when you say, like, a defense, it's like someone going into a court and being like, I'm innocent, but yet God's like, I'm God, bro. I don't need anyone to defend me. I'm God. I'm it. But yet there's a point of apologetics that we need to defend the faith. But yet that's in the sense of we're defending the faith to give evidence. We're laying out evidence by defending, not being like, well, God, I'm, God didn't really mean that. We're not, we're, we don't need to apologize for God. We don't need to defend God in the sense to other religions and other faiths and other people. But we need to lay out evidence. And to me, that's going to put other beliefs and ideologies in a light of like they need defense mm -hmm. they need a testimony more and than see, what like when i first does. when i was younger I'm, I'm sure i've told you guys this like you know being the, the backward shot kid that didn't ever say anything and you know even now yeah I mean, we, we discuss all the time kind of like behind the scenes how like i don't say much and it's because i try not to say anything that i don't 100 percent know to be true mm -hmm. and it's just one like for like mason you only spit straight facts and that's why you say that that field became harvestable when Jesus gave the command. Oh, my. For that, reputation's sake, I, I try not to say anything for, like, reputation's sake, like, so that I don't give off a reputation of, you know, just lying to somebody or, you know, talking straight out of my, you know, bottom. Like, I, I'm not trying to do that. I, you know, I want to be that somebody that, you know, pr provides truth to people. And so, like, when I first started preaching a little, almost two years ago now, uh, like, I was kind of in the mindset of, defense preaching which is what you said like mm -hmm. apologetics like you know we, we kind of you know like no yeah like yeah this is God instead of more of the idea of what I've probably not even started doing until a little less than a year ago like I started doing more of a declare like a declare yeah, of yeah, God's yeah, word yeah. more than trying to defend it because who am I to defend God <laughs> who am I to defend God's word God defends himself well, it's word he it's created word. yeah it's it, his word itself so, is going to give witness and bear witness I had itself. A, I have I've had a backwards mindset and, I, and it's just what you've said we get too caught up trying to defend something that we we're not worth defending and it defends itself so don't waste your time and breath you know defending something that that already stands alone proclaim it but do it in a way that you know yeah. that you've said well, that's solid. I mean, because because the truth speaks for itself, and Jesus says, "I'm the way, the truth, and the life." And so, I mean, it's going to speak for itself. And I think this is one thing that it should differentiate. Christians should differentiate from secular apologetics, because apologetics is important. I think it is. But yet, Christians 
should have comfort to know that this is true and be cool-headed the whole time. Because how idiotic does a Christian look when they get mad and they get heated and they start fumbling over their words? That's what, that's what, just what the Bible says. But it's like, calm yourself down. Quote scripture. The scripture will prove itself worthy every time. Let's cap things off with a, a last bit of scripture um, in this chapter where we get a, I don't know if we'll call it sassy Jesus, because I feel like when, when we're talking about sassy Jesus, we're, we're trying to look for stuff that people don't always catch on. This is mic screen. drop Jesus. Yeah, yeah. This, this is, he grabbed the, the bullhorn and, and is yelling at the Pharisees, like, are you blind? That, yeah. that, kind, of, that kind of Jesus is what we're getting here. And he just tosses it behind his shoulder, walks yeah. away. <laughs> so I'm going to read from verse... 39. Is it 39? Crap. I just Mine's thought. 39. Okay. I, yeah, I'm going to rewind a bit. So I'm going to read from verse 39 to just the rest of the chapter, uh, and then we'll kind of go back and pick it apart a bit. Jesus says, You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, and it is they that bear witness about me. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. I do not receive glory from people, but I know that you do not have the love of God within you. I have come in my Father's name, and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, you'll receive him. How can you believe when you receive glory from one another and do not seek the glory that comes from the only God? Do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one who accuses you, Moses, on whom you have set your hope. For if you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote of me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? Solid stuff. Solid air, stuff. Air horns blaring in the distance. Yeah. I think the, the mic, he, he, I think he throws two mics in there. Maybe not at them, but just at, at their feet. But the first one, he in verse 39, he says, you know, my, in my version, I like what he says. It says here, it says, you pour over the scriptures. Mm. And I can just think, I know a lot of people that just, they dive into scripture. And I think that's good. That's, that's great. But they pour over the scriptures because you think they have eternal life in them, and yet they testify about me. So Jesus is like, you know what the Bible, you know what the, the Torah and the prophets, and, and you know what they say, but you're not reading in between the lines and looking at what they're looking at. Because you know that the devil knew Scripture, right? Oh, the devil quoted Scripture. You know? I mean, he quoted Scripture to Jesus and twisted it in a way and trying to get Jesus to fall into his trap. And so even the devil himself, the, the, the great adversary, knew Scripture. And so knowing scripture doesn't mean that you're a Christian. And how many of us do we know uh, that know scripture really well, but yet it's like, what does Jesus say in verse 41? It says, uh, what does Jesus say in verse 42? But I know you, Jesus says, I know your hearts. I know you well enough. He says, you do not love because God is not within you. And it's just awesome that, you know, it goes back, I think, in 1 Timothy chapter 3, 16, uh, it says, you know, that all Scripture is inspired by God, given to reproof for correction, for instruction, and that every man can be well-equipped uh, by the Word of God. And so it's just like, here Jesus is, he's like, you know, these words that that you study over, it's talking about me, and then 
in the road to Emmaus. Jesus is talking to Pete, to the uh, the two disciples of like, here, I'm, I'm showing you where I am in Scripture. And we've talked about this before. Jesus made mention to it in the previous chapters in John of the bronze snake on the staff in front of Moses. That's another Jesus motif. And Moses is a Christ type of a mediator. And here he, Jesus is talking about Moses. You see David. He has, he's a man after God's own heart. He's another Christ type. And then the order of Melchizedek, another Christ type. There's all types of Christ symbolism and Christ references in the Old Testament. And I think, Matthew, you've said plenty of times that you love it when you hear Jesus references him himself from the Old Testament. I think that's yeah. awesome. That and another thing that uh, I thought about when you were reading your version when it talks about them pouring over Scripture, that really just, it paints the Pharisees in a whole new disappointing light to me. Because now I feel like I can feel Jesus' disappointment in the Pharisees. Yeah. Because he's pointing out, like, you guys study my word so much, my word that bears witness for me so you don't have to, and yet you you still have this so wrong. Yeah. Like, that, that really gives off that, that vibe of, I'm not angry, I'm disappointed, but dang, am I disappointed. Yeah. Well, and I think of, like, and I'm not, I'm not trying to hash on any, you know, denominations or churches that do this, but, like, I, I remember growing up doing Bible drills. Did, did y'all ever do Bible drills, like, on Sunday nights? When you come to church before the church service, like, they, do it, they would do a chapter over, and it's like, who memorized a verse this week? And, all right, now we're going to say, who, how many times can you memorize this? And how many, like, who can do all this? And, like, basically showing up their Bible skills, you know, pumping up their muscles on Bible skills. Verse 44, it says, how can you believe since you accept glory from one another, but don't seek the glory that comes from the only God? And I'm thinking back to the Pharisees and kind of a reference to a more recent Bible drill is that like we're willing to glorify someone for like wow good job Mason for you know memorizing Psalm 119 you know that's awesome that you've done that and we glorify Mason over what Psalm 19 is talking about and we glorify him it's like wow you know all those Bible verses good for you glorify each other I can see the Pharisees and Sadducees like man that's awesome good job you know good job on that instead of actually like man glory be to God Glory to be praised for that. It's like, you know, you you hit it right on the hill that the Lord convicted me on that. You know, they glorify themselves. They lift each other up instead of lifting up who actually needs to be lifted up. And I think that's what Jesus is kind of getting at here. It's like he's throwing that other mic. Like, y'all are focusing on yourselves instead of what really needs to be focused on right here, me. Well, with all mic drops considered, that uh, I believe that wraps up chapter 5. So next chapter we're, we're going to be talking about one of the I think it's safe to say most famous miracles yeah. in Scripture, the, the feeding yeah. of the 5,000. But that's that's all I'll spoil. We, we don't know what he's going to feed them with. So tune in Ooh. next week to find out what the food Ooh. is. <laughs> um, but as always, and I, I'm going to make an attempt to, to say the, the social media here, which sounds like a simple feat, but I have to like, I have to turn around because you have no social media. You're not a social media guy. You don't have you don't have anything. You just expose him like that, Tanner. I'm a boomer in a millennial skin. <laughs> yep. Right. Well, we got a, our Facebook. Well, goodness, all of our links are in the show notes. Is this outdated information? Well, we have a Twitter now. That'll be in the show notes as well, though. But I'm just informing that we have a Twitter. We added a Twitter. Yeah. Tweet, tweet. So you know what? I'm gonna be lazy. No, I'm not gonna, gonna tell y'all anything about social media. It's in the show notes, fellas. Just click on it. It's there. You, you don't even have to type it in. Just, just tap on it. Just tap it's the beautiful. link. Technology. Gonna love it. Love it.
All right. But we'll we'll catch you next week uh, with the, the feeding of the 5,000. But until then, Tanner, give me the magic words. Peace out.